of you here and also online. We are just excited to connect with you. My name is Suzanne, or Q, whatever, whichever one you want to call me. I am on the board also at Elements here, and I have a few things to talk to you about tonight before we start the service. First off, if you don't have the app yet, it's available in the App Store. And it's something that will give you exactly what you need to make your journey with Element City Church. It's packed full of good stuff like sermon notes. Um, you can put prayer requests in there. There are ways to connect with the church. Um, I have it on the front of my phone and I use it all the time. I highly recommend that you guys get it. If you're new to us and you're here online, there are hosts that will be available to both answer questions or pray with you and any other support you might need. Um, if you're new online or in the building, we would really like to connect with you guys. And we know that it's hard to come to a church when you're new. We've all been there, we've all done it, it's uncomfortable. So we wanna make it as easy and as painless as possible. So we have a number that you can text a simple hello, the word hello, to 520-340-6868. And they will send you a link and you will just have to do a couple more texts, just two more texts, super simple and easy, and then you're connected with us and we will get to know you, and that will be great. Second, if you're here in the building, we are going to have a 10-minute party at the end of the service back there in that corner. Jack and I will be there to meet you, and we will have a free gift for you, yay. Jack says this popcorn is the best this side of the Grand Canyon. I believe him, but I can't confirm because he has yet to have me be able to taste it. He won't give out samples to the rest of us. Yeah. Okay, Jack asked me to share one thing that I love about Element City Church, and it's going to kind of go on with what Deb was already saying last week, that it's really the people. The people here are so genuine that you get what you get in both leadership and in congregation. Everybody is who they say they are. And, you know, we were kind of talking last week about how Sometimes you feel like you walk in a room and you have to put on a church face, but this isn't one of those places. You just don't have to do it. You don't have to fake it. You just be who you are because we all know that we're human and we're flawed and life is really hard, but here your love for who you are and you're accepted for where you're at. The leaders here, they support you and their growth, your growth, and they want you to ask questions and they encourage that, which is so nice. Um, you learn to be a true disciple of Jesus if you decide to do one of the small group classes, or you can just join with people that are maybe in the same walk of life as you, like the college kids, the young adults, the families, <laughs> the people that are blended, or at some time, at the I think they just started a workout one also, Mike somewhere is here. I think they just started that. Like if you have common interests and you want to join, it's just a nice way to really get to know people. And what I love is also that they listen to you. Like everyone has an opinion that is valued. And also they pray hard for you. If you've got a need and you don't know what to do, they, these people, I kid you not, care. And they will pray hard for you because they do want good things for you. 
And I just, I promise if you let these people walk through life with you, you will be never alone. You will have people sharing your happy and your sad, and God will be leading the way for that. So I'm just super grateful for my church family. So thank you for being here and tuning in online. Um, we pray that our time together tonight, God will greatly encourage your heart. And every Sunday we pray for the Church of the Week, and this week it is Pantanal Christian Church, which many of you know is where we originally were launched from. So they're really special to us. Glenn Elliott is the pastor. So let's pray. Dear Lord, tonight we pray for Pantano Christian Church, Pastor Elliot, and all his team members and congregation. Lord, tonight we pray that you walk beside them and guide them as they navigate through some pretty big changes. Lord, give them direction and insight and discernment as they search for a successor for the lead pastor role. Lord, we also ask that you ease the transition of their programming due to construction that they're doing in their auditorium and give them the grace and peace in the chaos of change. Help them to remember that no matter what the circumstances, you are always in the greater purpose of everything they do. Help them to continue their passion of loving people to Jesus and serving our city. May your efforts in May their efforts in your name continue to be fruitful. We love you, Lord, and we are so grateful to be intertwined with so many special people and amazing churches that are all fixed with their eyes upon you, working together towards your purpose. Amen. Amen. Will you guys, can you guys stand up with us tonight? Come on, let's put those hands together. Salvation, salvation, tearing through the dead of night. See the kingdom burst into color at the speed of light. Freedom, shaking up the atmosphere. As the shadows fade into nothing as the day appears Beyond the skies above Love reaching out for us The everlasting one Jesus our God Oh, we look to the sun Set our eyes on our
you tonight. We give you all glory, all honor, and all power in this place tonight, God. Would you move, would you stir in our hearts? Have your way tonight, God. Remove anything that needs to be removed, Father. Come and work in this place. We ask for a fresh anointing in this room. We ask that your, your spirit would fill this place, God. Yes, Jesus. God, would we sing of the goodness of who you are every day? Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for praying away. God, we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can take a seat. so good to worship together. I love that song. It's a great song. So glad to have you here in the room. Those of you here, those of you joining us from your living room online or watching later this week, we are thrilled uh, to just be engaged together at Element City Church. Uh, I met a few of you who are new, so thanks for taking the courage to, to be here and invest some of your time. And uh, we pray every week that we gather that God would do a work in your heart and would meet you in a way that ministers to you and kind of woos you a little bit closer to him. We've been in this series called The Rooted Life. And it's really about rhythms and practices about how do we try to live more and more in the way of Jesus. Like in the way that he would live if he was living your life, how would we kind of align our lives with maybe some rhythms and practices that would help us in being more and more like him? And so we've looked at contemplative cadence and how we live in a culture that is all about hurry. Uh, I just finished uh, John Mark Homer's book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm telling you, it was so life-giving. And it's everything we talked about in that week, but just kind of on steroids. So just kind of helping us in a culture that even in the midst of a pandemic just has this current of hurry that kind of flows underneath us. And we've got to do some things that help push back against that to maybe live more and more the way of how Jesus actually lived. And so practices with that. We talked last week about holy sexuality. And what does the scripture have to say about that? And how does it call us, no matter where we are, into this pursuit of the way God designed and, and what he calls us to. And so if you've missed any of those, I just invite you to go back. Our app is free. You could download it. You can kind of go back to, if you go down to the bottom of the app page, it says sermons. You can go back to series, like if you're really bored for like the last four years, if you wanted to do that. But I don't recommend that. At least don't binge that, because that's weird. Um, but you can go back and catch up on this series. Uh, how many of you grew up playing with Legos? Where's my Lego people at? We have a giant conglomerate of Lego people here. How many of you, let's, if you're honest, still? Legos. Okay, I know Morgan because I've been to his house and he's got like these incredible Lego collections. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Legos, uh, I don't know if you know this. Do you know how many pieces of a Lego are molded every single day in the world? Uh, in one year, Lego makes about 36 billion pieces of Lego. Sometimes it's those one, like one little thing, sometimes it's bigger, uh, that type thing. That comes out to about 125 million pieces a day. About five million pieces every single hour in Lego factories are being produced, and how they're produced is they're molded, right? 
Uh, the truth is, we're all being molded, if we're honest, and look around us, in that if you wanted to build the Eiffel Tower of Legos, you would need to put together over 3,428 pieces. If you wanted to build the Ghostbusters firehouse, come on, eight, okay, uh, 4,634 pieces. The Taj Mahal, 5,922 pieces. Anyone have the Millennium Falcon Collector Edition? I know you do, Morgan, I've seen it. Yeah, 7,500 pieces. What puts that together? Each piece being molded. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. This idea of molding, uh, this idea of the fact is we're all being molded in a way. We're not Legos, and so I'm not trying to compare you to Lego, but if you want to think you're cool, you could be Lego. Um, but like each of us are being molded by our choices, by the culture around us, by the habits that we have, the people that influence us and other forces around us. That's kind of the external molding that goes on. But tonight, I want to look at this practice uh, that, that Jesus really has about discipleship. We talk about that here as a church, that we don't want to be, in a lot of ways, some people would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and they, and they almost wear that like a bumper sticker. Um, and what we want is to be a follower of Jesus. And, and what Jesus defined that as is kind of a disciple. Someone who, in a lot of ways, would be like in a modern-day setting, uh, in a trade school setting, would be like an apprentice. Someone who's apprenticing after a master, apprenticing after someone who's got more experience and been down the road. And that's Jesus' context when he talks about follow me. He's not talking about just, okay, understand a couple things around me, what do you, what do you, about me. He's saying, no, no, follow me, like literally, like do what I do. Practice the way I, I do about, I go about things, think the way I think. So a disciple is one who is following after, and a discipleship is more concerned and focused on kind of the internal molding of our heart, our character, our decisions that come. Jesus likes to work from the inside out. And so much of our cultural context of what tries to mold us, what Paul would talk about, the Apostle Paul, don't be conformed to the world, he says in Romans 12. And that's kind of this external molding, this external kind of conforming to the ways of the world. We got enough of that. What Jesus is saying was, I want to transform you from the inside out. And so I want you to be deeply formed, and I want you to be a person, I want to focus on who you're becoming, not just what you're doing. And there's a difference in that. And there's a tension that comes with that. And maybe one of the most effective strategies that the church could have to have influence in the world around us is not necessarily about what we're doing, but about the kind of people we're becoming. And what if we as a church, what if the church actually took Jesus more serious and said, you know what, it really is about who we're becoming because that has, uh, the quality of our presence is actually part of our mission in the world as a follower of Jesus. Now, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I'm stoked that you're here. I think it takes courage coming to a place, and, and our prayer, our hope is that you would kind of just lean in a little bit closer to who Jesus is and, 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 and what history talks about with him, and maybe that you would investigate on your own pace and in your own way maybe what many of us have become convinced about that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he's the son of God, and that his life and his death and his resurrection actually paved a way for us to have a right relationship with the creator of everything. And that it's not about what you do to earn God's approval, it's about your acceptance of who Jesus is 
is he really telling the truth or is he not? And that's what you have to wrestle with. So if you're investigating, man, keep investigating. We want to be a church where people don't have to be part of the convinced in order to belong. And, and that they can be on their own journey with that. Now, the quality of our presence, when I say about that, I'm talking about believers in the world. The quality of our presence, the church, Christians in the world, uh, matters about who we're becoming. Now, when I say quality, when I'm talking about it, I'm trying to highlight, this isn't about perfection of our conduct. This isn't about trying to aspire to be a top-level achiever. We have enough of that pressure in our world. Jesus is radically different when it comes to this understanding. See, we understand this from a sports team perspective. There's first string, second string, third string, right? At UVA football right now, we're struggling to find first string. That's right, just, just take a moment of silence. Uh, it was a rough game. I'm a diehard fan, but uh, it's tough being a fan right now. Anyway, okay, moving on. Uh, Jesus is at work, and, and it'll, be, it'll be fine. Eventually, maybe a decade from now. So. We understand first string, second string, third string. We understand from an orchestra perspective, if music is a more a part of your background, you understand first chair, second chair, third chair. And so we understand quality from that sense. But what I want you to understand and wrestle with is quality from God's point of view isn't necessarily perfection, isn't necessarily you've got it all right and you're the highest achiever. The good news for us is that you're saved in grace, you're meant to live in grace. You're meant to be empowered by grace. You're trained as a saved one, one who has put their faith in Jesus, and now he's enlisted you to go as a sent one. You and I, as followers of Jesus, now live sent out to the world to be a missional presence in this world for God. It's kind of like Jesus with skin on. In a practical, tangible way, we're representing, Jesus said, you'll, you'll be, our Apostle Paul phrased that you'll be his ambassadors, if you will. You have the authority, you're representing him. You're not him, but you're representing him. And, and what if the church actually took that call a little more serious and leveraged their lives to be a little bit more of the hope and peace and joy and presence of God in the world and in your world? your scope of influence, the people that are right around you. Uh, what if you saw yourself as a sent one? Now, I know for some of you, uh, you're like, whoa, preacher guy. Uh, I'm like, I'm new to my faith. Like, I'm still trying to figure this out. Like, I said yes to Jesus, or I'm contemplating saying yes to Jesus. I'm not quite there yet. And, and here's uh, Jesus's enlistment plan to make you a sent one. Here it is. In one sentence, are you ready? Did you say yes to Jesus? Okay, if you answer yes, you're in. You're part of the team. You don't have to train in order to get sent. It's fascinating when you study the New Testament, you understand this is, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm for all people, and once you put your faith in me, then you're good, you're on the team, out you go. You don't have to try to train and then work your way up to first or second or third chair. You're actually in the chair, you're part of the orchestra, you're part of the team, go. You're on mission now with me in partnership with me. The good news is that Jesus doesn't wait for us to be perfect and to invite us into his mission. On the contrary, being perfect actually disqualifies you from partnering with him. With Jesus on his mission, when you read through the scriptures, you'll see again and again that God doesn't call perfect people because there ain't none of us here. 
we're all broken. There's a line from The Simpsons, one of the longest running shows in the history of our world. I don't know what that says about America, but um, Homer Simpson, upon reading the Bible, says, everybody's a sinner, except this guy, referring to Jesus. And the truth behind that is very valid. We're all broken. We're all sinners. We're all messed up. And yet, that doesn't disqualify you from being part of Jesus' mission. Look at his very first disciples. Think about this. Jesus is arrested. He's taken to Golgotha. He's crucified. Who's with him in that moment? Every one of his disciples who spent three years with him, except for John, has ditched him. Run out. Deserted. Because they thought they'd be next. And so, if your life's on the line, what do you do? Run. And so that's what they did. John is the only one who's present there and some women who are part of there and his mother. He was left alone to suffer and die and after his resurrection, the disciples locked themselves in the room for fear that they would be next. The disciples had failed Jesus. They dropped the ball and dropped out. Who would want them on their team? Not me. Your teammate drops out, you drop your teammate, right? That's part of the call. That's part of the challenge. And they ditch him. But see, Jesus isn't like that. Here's, I think, one of the most fascinating passages in the scripture. Post Jesus' resurrection, here's what we find. Jesus went back to his failed dropout disciples, and instead of bringing up their mistakes and their miscues, he picks them up, sends them out on a mission. After coming to them face to face, here's his words that he says to them. Peace be with you. Shalom upon you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. Think about that. Think about that. You've bailed out on Jesus. You've ditched out. You've run for fear of your own life. And Jesus the Messiah, the resurrected one, stands in your presence, and he doesn't say shame on you. He says, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. No, no, Jesus, you don't understand. I'm not good enough. Like, I failed. I dropped the ball. No, no, no. As the Father sent me, I now send you. No, no, surely not me. Maybe this guy behind me, this guy over here. But whoa, mommy, just, uh, I'm Peter. <laughs> like, I denied you three times. Like, that's pretty bad. Uh, messed up. I ran out crying. No, no, Peter, Peter, especially you. You're on my team. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. Friend, as a follower of Jesus, that calling upon your life is bigger than you'll ever get your arms around. You're enlisted as someone who has said yes to him to be part of his team. The good news of the gospel is that even when you make mistakes, you don't perform, you can't get your act together, Jesus comes to you and says, I want you, I'm calling you, I'm sending you. You're in. You're in the game. Let's go. You don't have to train for it. You're just there. He knows you got problems. He knows you got hangups. He knows your failures. He knows your weaknesses. And in spite of all that, you're still invited and enlisted into his mission. Why? Because a disciple is one who's part of being in the game. We've defined discipleship around here as a disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, 
is becoming like Jesus and is committed to the mission of Jesus. The missional task of the church, to be a missional presence in the world around us, is not optional. You're part of it. Now, that is an exciting thing, and that should also be a little bit of a a daunting thing. That should be a little bit of a humbling thing. And that may require some things of you and the thing is of me. An invitation to surrender a way of being on mission that doesn't compartmentalize. Oh, Jesus, I'll do some things for you, but this idea of being a disciple, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. I'll do some things. I'll, I'll throw a little bit of money in the plate. You know, I'll, I'll be nice to that cashier when they're having a rough day. I'll do some, I'll do kindness. The world likes that. And so I'll I'll do some things. You want me to rearrange my schedule? Whoa. Uh, You're calling me to a deeper investment into actually living the way you lived? That's going to sacrifice some things. And Jesus would go, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. I'm all in for you, and I want you to be all in for me. And so do we get that right perfectly? No. But it's this constant investment and an inviting into next steps with him. And so friend, as a follower of Jesus, what's your next step? Should be a question that's always in the forefront of your mind. Jesus, what's my next step with you? How are you calling me? How are you leading me forward? What Jesus is calling us to do is to say, look, the quality is looking for to instill in us is a life of doing that flows out of a life of being. Like, just don't go do spiritual things. Become the kind of spiritual person. Become more and more like Jesus. And you're just going to naturally do the things that Jesus did. And so I want to focus on molding the inside. Inside out is how I work, Jesus is saying, what we see throughout the scriptures. Uh, in our cultural context, that there's a gravitational pull to focus on doing over being. To be active outwardly, but inwardly we could be disordered or fractured or unhealthy and maybe even unchanged. But on the outside, we project some things. That's being molded externally. But Jesus is into molding you internally. He is always begins on the inside out, molding our heart and our character, and our actions will follow. When uh, Lyle and Anya are in Ukraine, they're coming back later this week. Uh, we're excited to have them back. But and when Lyle, when we hired him last spring, and, and Matt and Jen, I sat down with Matt and Lyle and said, hey, we got a new team, kind of in a new direction. Let me tell you the five fireable things that will cost you your job here. Anyone want to guess what number one was? My hunch is you won't guess it. Uh, There's obvious ones. Don't embezzle. Don't touch kids. You know, don't have an affair. Number one was this. Don't miss the Sabbath. Don't miss rhythms of refreshment in your spiritual journey. Because if you do, the other four things become a lot easier to do. But if you will sacrifice and live in, the, in rhythms of refreshment with God and refreshing your own spiritual journey and working on your relationship with him and practicing Sabbath and unplugging from the rush of the world around us, then I promise you'll become the kind of leader that we need you to become. And I hold myself to that and I hold them to that. Because what I know 
and what I've seen throughout the years is you show me a person who's working on who they're becoming, then I'll show you a person who does the things that Jesus does or avoids the things that they should avoid. But you show me a person who's just focusing on doing and not being, then I'll show you a person who's a step or two, a decision away from wrecking things and wrecking their life. Any part of our part always forms out of who we're being, who we're becoming. Doing without uh, being disconnects our activity from the source of life and love, and God is the source of that life and love. Our engagement in the world as Christians, as the church, as the missional presence of Jesus in the world becomes marked by a kind of stale obligation rather than joyful participation if it's only about doing and not who you're becoming. It transitions slowly from I get to, to I got to, and I have to. And it begins to, verses being transformed by the spirit inside out. Are we being conformed by the world around us or transformed by the spirit of God in us? See, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you just focus on doing, then you're putting extra burdens on yourself that Jesus never wanted to put on you. But if you'll focus on becoming and what he's doing within you, then that'll begin to flow. Here's the truth. You and I cannot give what we do not have. You can't give to a world that's hungry and searching for truth and searching for something that's meaningful and significant what you do not have. You end up giving party favors. And that's good for a moment, but it's fleeting. See, being without doing is how some other people swing. They focus on only being and no doing in the process of what Jesus would do. People swing the pendulum in the direction and they go from workaholism for the Lord to being allergic to doing anything for Jesus. I'm just working on being. Okay, well, being is doing. That's what James talked about, right? Uh, you, you don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word in a way. Like, there should be an interplay between this. Certainly, there are seasons for recovery or self-care or rest or disengagement, but there, there's an interplay to work and what we've been enlisted into as Christians, as the church, as followers of Jesus. We are to have sway and, and, and influence into the world around us. We're not to be Mary to the exclusion of Martha, if we looked at that that very first week, Martha and Mary, and how Mary wanted to sit at Jesus' feet, and Martha was so busy putting the party together. It's, we don't want to be one to the exclusion of the other. Both are necessary. And that's what we see in the pages of Scripture, that we are to be active contemplatives or contemplative activists, holding and living in the tension of both and, that we're invited to do and to be, and that our doing would flow out of who we're being, who we are becoming. The invitation to the rooted life in Jesus is one that starts with the liberating understanding that God is always at mission in the world, but it always comes from a place of being. There's never a moment when God is not moving toward the world in love because of who he is. The scriptures say God is love. It's who he is. So God's activity flows out of his identity of who he is. My question to you is, does yours, does mine, does your activity for God flow out of your becoming more and more a follower of God? 
and what he's doing on the inside of you. And the overflow is the doing. Or are you caught up in the kind of the spiritual treadmill of just, I'm doing all these things for God. God, look at me, I'm doing all this for you. And God said, well, well, well you're exhausted. Why, why are you doing all that? I already love you. Are you trying to earn my love? Whoa, 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 you missed it then. My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, let's work on you, and then let's let the overflow of you come out in what you do. That's how I work. That's how I want you to work. There's never a moment when God's not moving toward that. John 20, as the Father has sent me, I send you. God's in the business of rescuing people. We're all called to play a part in facilitating that and partnering with that to bear witness to the loving, I love this, the loving winsomeness of Jesus. Having a deeply formed missional presence in the world is the posture and pervasiveness of our witness to Jesus. It's us pointing people toward the wisdom and winsomeness of Jesus through the way in which we live and the words in which we speak because of how he's changing me or changing you from the inside out. It's the overflow, living that way. It's us as followers of Jesus mirroring the heart of God to the world around us. Let me give you two great descriptions of who God is and what he's really like that I think he wants the church, you as a follower of Jesus, if that's you, to mirror to the world around you. God is with all people. He's with people. Any sense of mission that is faithful to Jesus begins with the presence of God. God's grace is lovingly present at the world. Every place and every moment, he is there. He is active. He is on the move. Jesus said this in John 5, 17. My father is always at work, even to this very day. God does not sleep or slumber or take days off. Isn't that reassuring? Isn't that a comforting reality to know? That should bring comfort to us. He is with us. And any notion of the mission for the church to be in the world is to confess that God moves first. He takes the first steps, not you and not me. See, long before I act and show up and try to show up into someone else's life and to be there for them, God has already acted and he is already on the scene. Long before you got there. Long before we speak, God has already spoken. Long before we arrive, his presence is already there. We're showing up to join him, not bring him anywhere. He already there. He's already active in the lives of your friends and your family and the world and influence you have around you. God is at work in the background. You may not see it, and they may not even see it, but I'm telling you, long before you speak or long before you show up, he's already there and already at work. We show up as a missional presence just to join him and to put some tangible expression to who he is and what he's about. All through the Hebrew scriptures, we see the manifest presence of God showing up and acting on behalf of the people from the pillar of fire to the cloud that led them to the tabernacle that we see established. And that theme is taken further in the New Testament. In the opening pages of each gospel account, we read the stunning news that God was taking up residence again closer to his people. This time, not in a cloud or a pillar, a fire or a tabernacle or a temple or through the words of the prophets, in Jesus Christ himself, God in a bod showed up 
come to dwell among his people, the miracle of the incarnation. I love how Eugene Peterson writes this in the message translation. He says this, John 1, 14, the word, speaking of Jesus, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God's presence is with people. God can't get enough of people. And from Genesis to Revelation, we come in contact with a God who refuses to be without a people. God comes to be present and available, and we are, as his church, to mirror that as well. God with all. Uh, Secondly, God for all. God is for the world, period. As Christians, we are often known by what we're against rather than what we're for. Why is that? A simple test will confirm the truth of that. You bring up any divisive issue in the world, politics, sexuality, race, immigration, and so on. And what you'll find is Christians clearly asserting what they are against. But any conversation regarding the nature of God must always begin with what he's known for, who he is, and what he's about. Now, he may be against some things or have strong thoughts and truth about things, but he is always for people. That's his heart. Missional presence takes on that posture as God the Father revealed in Jesus. Our world's often marked by a level of such hostility and vitriol that compassion feels like it's an impossible reality. Mother Teresa famously said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Maybe that's the challenge for the church in our day. The posture of being against the world is one that has marked Christian witness throughout history. But maybe what makes genuine Christian engagement in the world different is that we don't hate people that we're trying to see God change. What if we just did that? Like, I don't know, love people where they're at. It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything, and it doesn't mean I have to admonish everything, but I wanna start there. That takes a profound work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to become, because we are formed in our world to be against things. But in Christ, we are called to mirror his heart, which is a heart that is for. We are to live as sent people. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. And you're to be with all, and you're to be for all. Jesus' sending is a gracious thing. He sends us as his representatives, his heralds, his ambassadors. One of the greatest acts of grace is Jesus calling his very first disciple and every disciple throughout history since. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then friend, you're invited to be a disciple of Jesus, period. That's the invitation. Now, some of us want to say, okay, well, now i got to train up for that. No, no, no. You're saved. Now you're in the game. You're sent. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. And so with the time i got left, I want to give you two practices that I think will help the church, will help you, will help me as we grow to try to say, okay, God, how can you leverage my life as a missional presence in the world to point people toward Jesus? Uh, Like the best I know how, the best we can, how do we go about that? And and the first one is this, godly hospitality. And and this is greater than hotel hospitality or resort hospitality. This is a godly hospitality that says, see, throughout the New Testament, Jesus demonstrated hospitality. In the ancient Near East, hospitality was a staple and a cultural norm and reality, but Jesus transcended that norm. See, hospitality is not about simply opening up your home, it's about opening up your heart to others. 
meeting them where they are. Because of his ministry, traveling around all the time, always on the move, he was the most hospitable person that the world knew. In chapter 9 of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus creates space to welcome and to connect with people who were considered outsiders. He had just invited Matthew to be his follower that day, and then that night, Matthew throws what the, some scholars have said the Matthew party, right? Where he just invites the people that he knows which are, let's be honest, scoundrels in a lot of ways. Tax collectors were seen as evil people in his day. What was Matthew? A tax collector. He cheated his own people to gain money and influence and worked with the Romans. Like he was a no-no, untouchable. But Jesus said, I want you. Come follow me. And Matthew leaves everything. And then he goes, man, I got a bunch of friends who need this hope. So I'm going to throw a party. And Jesus showed up at the party. Matthew opened his home, Jesus opened his heart, and both are needed when it's godly hospitality. Hospitality requires a posture of welcome. It says you belong here. It's good that you're here. There's a why Jesus, this is why he was so scandalous. He had the nerve to touch people who were contagious, to sit with people who were regarded as corrupt, and to be with those who were labeled or deemed unworthy. He said, I'm with you. I'm for you. I got you. I'm not running. I'm here. The grace of Jesus knows nothing about the world's limited categories projected onto people. That's a worldly thing. Jesus doesn't project that. Hospitality is a holy act because it mirrors the God who welcomes and receives. A people of God. We're called to be an extension of that as the people of God. The reason we are to be hospitable and to open our hearts to others is the way that God opened his heart to you. The rooted life is one that creates space for others. We don't create space in order to launch into preaching at them or to try to convict them of their wrongs. Remember, we're opening our heart to them. These aren't like opening arguments of a trial. We're creating space. I love how Henry Nouwen um, writes this. He says, hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. God is the change agent. You are not, and neither am I. You're on the team, but you're not the agent of change. That's God's job alone. He does just fine at that. And he does it in the perfect timing. Why? Because he's already been at work there long before you showed up to partner with him. And the church, as the missional presence of God, we need to understand that. God's already at work here. I'm just joining him. He's the one who will bring about the change that's needed. The way to change a life is not by judging people, but by embracing them, welcoming them. You don't have to condone behavior in order to commit to loving a person where they're at. That's what Jesus demonstrated. It begins with welcoming them, seeing them, listening to them, giving them your attention. David uh, Augsburger said this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. To hear someone is to love someone. It might mean that you need to eliminate some stresses or create some margin in your schedule or seek to eliminate the chronic sense of hurry that so many of us battle and learn in order to be that missional presence is to be fully present. Anyone struggle with that? 
being fully present in the moment? I do. There are so many times I've got so much going on in my head, so many dreams and visions of what I want to do and be about and partner with God that I forget to be in the moment that I'm in. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And so what if the church, what if the followers of Jesus actually just get better at being hospitable? Meaning, I'm going to be fully present in this moment to listen, to learn, to lean in, to love in a way that this person right in front of me needs. Uh, To be the best I can be to be Jesus with skin on and how he would interact in this moment. And, And how can I partner with the spirit on that? You are an active agent for God and his good in the world. I love how scholar N.T. Wright talks about active agents. We use that language a lot around here. That you as a follower of Jesus are an active agent for God and his good in the world right where you're at, wherever you are and wherever you go, you live as a sent one. Why? Because Jesus said it. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. We're all on the mission. So, hospitality, godly hospitality. The second last one is this, announcing the gospel, the good news. We often think that announcing the gospel is regulated to pastors or church services or street preachers. And I've been taught a lot of different tactics about evangelism, the Roman road, the bridge. Here's my favorite that I love. It's just so simple. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved, so God gave. And if you believe, you can receive. That is the gospel, the simplest way I can put it because it's the way Jesus said it. To Nicodemus in that conversation, John 3.16, this idea, this faithful presence. Uh, David Fitch wrote a book called Faithful Presence. He talked about preaching the gospel, proclaiming or announcing the gospel as profoundly decentering experience that places the hearer in submission to God. It is the opposite of being in control. Proclaiming the gospel starts with, are you hopeless? Are you caught up in a world gone wrong? Have you been caught up in sin? Are you powerless? Are you broken or floundering? Are you being destroyed by the world or injustices happening to you? The gospel says God has come in Jesus Christ and he has defeated those powers. He has made Jesus Lord and he therefore rules and is working in all circumstances, whether it's personal or in the world. Will you give up control and submit to Jesus as Lord and participate in this new world? Fitch writes this. He doesn't say use this as a template. What he's saying is the truth is every person we come in contact with has experienced, is experiencing, or will experience significant pain in life. Every person might eventually feel stuck or long to escape. Every single person at some point will undergo a powerless moment in life. And what if we just offer our presence lovingly and patiently listening to people we will find ourselves in a better place where spiritual conversations can ensue and happen when you're just a missional presence in the lives of people. And why are you a missional presence? Because Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. If you're my follower, you're in the game. Let's go. I'm already at work, so I'm just waiting for you to catch up. So can you join me here? Because I'm already at work in your friend's life. I just want you to partner with me to be at work in your friend's life, in your family member's life, in their coworker's life. Like, I'm already here. 
I'm already active. And so would you just kind of catch up here? Let's do this together. That's the heart of God in the scriptures, announcing that he is rescued and maybe how he is rescued or restoring you, sharing your story, announcing the gospel as a way that meets them where they're at. And that can seem scary, but it's this beautiful invitation to say, man, here's how God's changed my life. And I think if you lean in, he might change your life too. How can I partner with God? Who has he placed around you where he's already at work? And how can you join him there? I'll close with this statement. Right from the mission of this church. To reach, equip, and send. Each follower of Jesus is to live sent as an active agent for God and his good in this world. We are each sent daily on mission to be his ambassadors in how we live, speak, and interact. We do this actively, we do it locally, and we want to do it globally. That is what we're about. That's what you're invited into. And so that's what I want to pray for you is that you would discover who God might be at work around you and that you'd partner with him in that. And saying, God, would you just help me to be a tangible expression of, you, of your presence in their life? And so God, that's what we pray for. As we prepare to, to kind of close in a worship song here tonight, we want to be individuals, we want to be a church, and we want to be part of the church that is living out a missional presence not molded from external things, but internally being molded and shaped to be more and more like Jesus. Wherever we are in that season and that you have sent us. And so into a hostile world, we need more hospitality to open our hearts to people. Uh, Some of us may need more bandwidth and so we may need to, to cut back on some things around us because we're losing the ability to not live in a hurry And so we're not fully present where we're at. And so would you help us to understand how can we be more fully present to be part of your presence there? Help us to be the kind of people uh, and not only in being the kind of people that would just overflow in doing the sorts of things Jesus would do. Help us to announce your good news that you're a God who is with and for through our conduct and through our conversations, through our actions and through our reactions. Would you give us moments to speak up for you and to point people toward you, Jesus? Would you help us be that kind of church, that kind of follower, that kind of disciple, that kind of people? Lord, in this song, we're asking that you would just show us what is our next step individually? What's the step you're inviting us to join you in? that we can be part of the team that you've already launched us into to bring your missional presence into the world that needs more and more of that today. Waking up to heaven
as a follower of him and may that enlist you help invite you into being a person who lives as a sent one see we just gathered as the church but in about 78 seconds you're going to go be the church to live as a sent one as a follower of Jesus that's, that's on you and that's on me that's what we're invited into. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, he says to his disciples, I send you. We don't attend church. We are the church. And so we get to go be that and do our vision, bringing the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city and beyond. Like, that doesn't happen here only. That happens out there where you go and how God leverages your life and so lives as sent ask him, God, how would it look like for me to grow in godly hospitality? What would that look like? What would it look like for me to start announcing, uh, like pointing people to you, like with my words, not just my actions, but like maybe inviting them to be a part of that. So again, thank you for tuning in online. Thanks for being here tonight. A couple um, just thoughts. Thank you for all of you who partner with us financially. We don't pass a plate here in the service, but we've got a couple giving boxes in the back. A lot of folks give through the app. Uh, on the app, you can fill out the connection card if you're new. I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party right back here in the corner in about 60 seconds. So if this is your first Sunday, I want to invite you back then. And you get a bag of the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. I'm telling you, it's the best. So, like, that's for you. If you're new, if you're not new, you don't get it, okay? Tough. Just life is hard sometimes, and you just got to deal with it. Um, so, two quick things I want to let you know about that are coming. October 30th, we are doing kind of a trunk or treat harvest festival here at the church from 10 to 1, partner with Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, to do that, we're going to have like five jumping castles. Uh, we like, need people to do trunk or treat stuff. Uh, we're going to find out more details about that. We're going to be collecting candy, like little prizes that can go in boxes or into little candy bags uh, over the month of October. So I'm giving you a heads up for that. And then either end of October, early November, we're going to do a tailgate after party where we're inviting you to wear, uh, not the Cowboys jersey. Deb, you could do that. Uh, but like to wear your favorite jersey, we're going to do a tailgate after party with that. Uh, I would recommend the Steelers. Um, that They lost today too. This is a rough sports weekend. Okay, so uh, we'd love to invite you to that. Just keep coming on a Sunday. Stay connected. Again, if you are new, 10-minute party. If not, say hi to three or four people on the way out. May God bless you, and may you know that 
you're being sent to represent him now. Go in his grace and in his peace. Amen.